Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stratycast. Coming to you after a win over Liverpool. 3-2 at Old Trafford in the FA Cup 4 round. Mike, we march on to the next round. Obviously, big bonus knocking Liverpool out of the cup at any stage. But... But to do so a week after drawing with them in the league, a week after people were slating us saying we we went defensive at, at Anfield, um, a week after people were saying that we couldn't go to toe to toe with them, we did that at Old Trafford and we knocked them out of the fucking cup. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's certainly one way of putting it. Um, we were just briefly chatting before we started recording, and. It was a point that I said, and it was a point that Gary Neville had made after the after the league game that probably for the last ten or fifteen years United have gone to Anfield and and been very very skittish and really played within themselves. And I think you saw that in the league game, and um, obviously United Liverpool games generally over the last ten to fifteen years or so have been extremely poor. Usually they're either very dour affairs or one team plays very well and the other team is extremely poor. But you don't really usually get um, a game where both teams play actually really well and go toe-to-toe and slug it out with each other, which is what we got in that cup match. It was a fabulous game of football. The last time I honestly remember United-Liverpool really slugging it out toe-to-toe like that was probably, I'm going all the way back to the treble season here, and there was a 2-2 draw at Anfield, mm. And then a few years before that, we in a league game, I think it was the season we won the first double. Uh, there was a free-all draw at Anfield as well. We actually went 3 and up in that game. We should have won, but that very rare. It's not like kind of when you get... Bar- usually when you watch like Barcelona Real Madrid games, they're usually fantastic. They really just go at it. But for whatever reason, one team will always play within themselves in these games. But we didn't get that yesterday. I thought United were a little sluggish to press in the first 20, 25 minutes. And we were duly punished for that. A friend of mine messaged me having a go at Shaw for not picking up Salah. And I said, that's all well and good. 
But there was two other occasions where I think both Tiago, was it Tiago or Wijnaldum, and then Firmino were not closed down when they got the ball and were allowed to turn and take a touch and make a pass, which was worse for me than Salah, who is one of the best in the league at making a running off the right flank yeah. and getting in between the left-back and the left-sided centre-half. It was a wonderful finish, in all fairness to him as well. It was a really well-taken goal. But that seemed to kind of spark United into life a little bit. We suddenly started playing with more urgency off the ball and we got a bit more incisive on the ball. And then I thought United really went out a bit much earlier than we did in the in the league game where we kind of played within ourselves and it really wasn't until about 65 minutes we started trying to attack the game. But I think what you saw in this game was something that you mentioned before we started recording, which was more cohesive, precise passing in the final third, which you didn't get in the first game, where United just kept giving the ball away in key positions. They weren't doing it as much here. There were some excellent counter-attacks in that game. There was a lovely little... It was just a moment. It was literally just one little flick-touch pass that Cavani did in the second half. It was literally just just dragged it and flicked it away in one movement. It was beautiful. I thought he had a good game. And um, I'd say you didn't have a good game, though. It was Jermaine Genus and Cole Commentary. It yes. Absolutely yes. diabolical. But it's now, just cliched nonsense. I, I, well, I, I know. he's he's. I think he's been taking punditry lessons from Michael Owen. And when he was talking about the... <laughs> was it the Mane foul? Oh, five or ten years ago, that wouldn't have been nothing. Yeah. Oh, five or ten years ago, Jermaine, that would have been a foul... Yeah, and I, I don't think it was a red, but I think it was a yellow. I think in an ideal world, I think if that had been a rugby, he would have been chucked in the sim bin for five or ten minutes, right? I know because he does go for the ball and he clips the ball a bit, but he follows through badly. And I'm always a bit kind of if that had been a United player, I would have said, "Oh, don't give him a red card for that. Give him a yellow." It must be something to do with suction. Okay, because you're using earphones, I'm using headphones. I'm just worried about these headphones thinking about Jermaine Jane is stuck in cold commentary. Um, and, <laughs> and, and the ability to suck yourself up your own arsehole um, during a match. The, the, the amount of cr- the crap that was coming from his mouth yesterday during the game I just think it was waffle I think so, some co-commentators literally during really the game really to spoil the game Dale it, it I think was, it was really having an impact trying to find on, things on to, to to rant on about and, and just trying to kill dead air and stuff there's a big game on yesterday United Liverpool Big, big game. There was no shortage of conversation points, of subject matters. Uh, Jermaine Jane is completely... It's just, it's, I, I guess it's what you get when a match like this is televised on the BBC. But for people like yourself paying your TV licence and stuff, um, I, I'd, be, I'd be asking for better. I'd be asking for a better co-commentator than, than fucking Jermaine Jane is for a game like that. A game with such significance too, when these two teams come, come, come head-to-head in a cup. It's always an exciting game. You'd be hoping for the best, best televised build-up. Um... Didn't get that, but look, what matters is 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 the ninety minutes. We we came out on top, and I think the the biggest thing for me was something Pogba touched on after the first game, the the nil all draw in, in the league. P- Pogba touched on whether we didn't have the right sense of arrogance about us, um, and and I didn't think we had that belief to really go and throw the kitchen sink at Liverpool. Yesterday we did. Throughout the game, there were there was phases of the match where. 
Manchester United kind of sat on top, Liverpool sat on top, and that's that's totally fine. That's totally to be expected. You spoke about the games in Spain between Madrid and Barcelona, these big games. Well, if you look at the Premier League in the last two to three years when it's been Liverpool and Man City, they're the teams that have been at the top. They're the teams that have been challenging it. And in those games... The, the league game they had earlier in the season at, at City's ground was a fantastic game. Yeah. They just went hammer and tongue until they kind of knackered out after 75 minutes. But they really went at it. And what happens is in those... What I've seen in England in those games in recent years is there'll be parts where Liverpool are going to sit on top and there'll be parts where United sit on top and... No team for 90 minutes ever really dominates these kind of fixtures. It shouldn't be in a big game, it shouldn't really. Be. If, if, if one team is dominating so much in a big game, that means the other team isn't doing their job. Yeah. And that's not to say you can't say a best team has won. So I think about the, the Carabao Cup semi-final, undoubtedly City with a better team. But I don't think United were poor. United had spells in that game when they were on top. Okay, City but... didn't have the whole of the game for 90 minutes. But in the end, they just had a bit more to come out on top. And this is what's happened here. Uh, this is how big games are supposed to be, where it's competitive. Everyone's fighting for every ball. You know, there's players are only needing to take one or two touches on the ball. No more than that. That's what you need in those games. Because if you take any more than two touches, you're going to get closed down. And I think yeah. you saw that. And it was, I think what I said this to you before we recorded, what I was happy about was, United were really good, and that's the best I've probably seen Liverpool play in the last seven or eight games that I've watched them. Yeah, no, they the were up for it. I think the fatigue. Set. Yeah, they were. They were. Salah was absolutely excellent. Firmino was, man, he was fantastic. That's the best. He was a different animal from what was what we saw in the game last week, and I think that opened things up for Salah a little bit more. Thiago was very good in midfield again. They've got some top class players, and we were able to really step it up and. And, and compete with them and, and beat them and I think that's that's a really a really good sign and just one quick thing you talk about inane the inane analysis by Jermaine Genius it sums it up for me I think Donny van der Beek actually had a decent game yesterday yeah. it wasn't yeah. a showy game wasn't a flashy game but he's really intelligent I thought him and Pop worked really well together in the midfield the movement you could see off the ball with him and Jermaine Genius was making out that he didn't have a good game and I was like you're not paying attention to what this guy's doing. The reason he took him off and put Bruno on is because he wanted to try and get after it and win the game before it and not go to extra time. That was why, and he paid off. I, See, don't, I don't understand this. The thing with Danny van der Beek, and it's very, it's very fine lines, is he, he's been around the club now a few months. He hasn't really been starting games. and So when he gets his start, people are hoping that he, 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 he does something big. He, 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 an assist or a goal, a goal or so, and it's quite demanding. It's quite unfair too. I, I agree. He didn't, he didn't set up anything yesterday. He didn't put up any trees. But I thought it was, it was a good performance. Great experience for him to be on the the winning side against Liverpool. Also, by the way, um, and 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 to contribute. But Bruno Fernandez came on. That's where it's it, it's it's fine lines. Okay, he came on. Scored a match-winning free kick. That's not something that we would have predicted Danny Van der Beek to do. It's not even something also, that you, you can predict in a game anyway. It's... Fine lines. Bruno came on and gave the ball away three times just after he came on. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So we like we 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 could easily be talking about the three times Bruno Fernandez gave the ball away and not talk about his match-winning free kick because that's that's the way the game planned out. Um, Liverpool look. 
they are the reigning Premier League champions. What 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 I what what I have to say is about this United team, and we talk about progress, and are we getting too ahead of ourselves? The fact of the matter is, whether you have injuries or not, you can only play the team that's in front of you. We went toe to toe with the team that won the title last season, and where we're sitting right now is we've sent a warning call out to all out to City, out to everyone else that we are going to compete this season. We are going to, I, I do believe Man United are going to compete this season, unless we get a, a rat of injuries and, and it, it, our season goes completely off track, which I don't see happening, we are going to compete. And maybe it might come down to fine lines again of, are City going to go all out and try and win the Champions League? Wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised by that. Guardiola definitely wants it, you know. But we just have to see how it goes. The most important thing from the weekend is we also have the FA Cup to play for. We're not putting all our eggs into an unrealistic basket of um, Premier League success. We also have a chance of winning an FA Cup. Absolutely. And I think something that plays in our favour is if you're going to be pushing to be challenging for trophies, especially now we're we're into January, coming past the halfway point of the season now, so this is really when you get into the business end of things. This is when you really have to make things count. Is We have important players coming into form when we need them. Obviously, Pogba is coming into form when we need him. He had a bit of a shaky start, I felt, yesterday, but then he grew into the game. He didn't... And that's a difference we've seen with Pogba probably in the last eight or nine games than what you got before. Is that when he had a poor start, he would just keep being poor for the whole game. And in fact, he would just get worse. Whereas this, he didn't. He just kept working, he kept grafting, he kept working away. And he got better and he grew into the game and he got back into the rhythm of the game when he started poorly. I thought he was very good again yesterday. Not particularly flashy performance, but very, very good. I thought Marcus Rashford had probably his best game since the Leipzig game yesterday. He was absolutely outstanding, Dale. Obviously, he took his goal well, but the pass he plays for the... Uh, the Greenwood goal is absolutely unbelievable. And when people have been laying into Rashford, they haven't realised that the passing element is something he's actually added into his game over the last year that he didn't have before in able to create opportunities for others. That was a magnificent ball, that. He was really, really good in that game yesterday. I thought Mason Greenwood gave a really good account of himself yesterday. We're going to need him to be stepping up. I actually thought, even though he didn't score yesterday... I thought Cavani's work off the ball and keeping the defenders occupied was very, very good again. He's going to be valuable to us as this season goes on. I thought Luke Shaw, excellent again in that game. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. He may he may well be able to stamp his mark down as United's best performer so far this season in terms of the consistency of his performances. I felt that um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka had his best performance of the season yesterday. That was more kind of what we saw from Aaron Wan-Bissaka last season. He actually tried to make the effort to get forward a little bit more. Yeah. His crossing still needs to improve, but he was really trying to sort of contribute something. I thought Victor Lindelof was actually very good in that game yesterday. And listen, those defenders were busy because Liverpool's forwards were much more on it than they have been in the past few games. So big players coming into form at an important time of the season is what we need. And this is where United... When we've been successful in the past, this is where we've really been able to really stamp our mark on the season is over the winter period. That's when United really pressed on was over December, January and in February. That was where United really started to get points on the board. They started to get results in. 
They started to look really dangerous and set a rhythm going forward into the running. That was the way Ferguson always liked to pace the season. And I think, I don't know whether it's bad design, maybe it is. I think there was certainly, because I think Guardiola's tried to do the same thing in terms of the fact that probably City were only playing about 70-80% right up until December, mid to late December. And I wonder whether Solskjaer was trying to do a bit of the same thing, having the foot off the gas a little bit, but knowing the way this season's going to be in, as long as you're in touch, once you get into the Christmas, into the winter period, then you can start putting your foot down and start clocking in the results. I think that's what United and City have been doing. And that was what United always did under Alex Ferguson. That was where we started racking up points. And that was where the other teams who would be challenging us would start to fall away. After the game last night, Mike Solskjaer was quick on talking about Sheffield and the league next up. And I think it's so important that he's he's laid down his marker now in the cup, but he wants to go on and, and, and keep this winning form up and keep the league form. Of course he does. You know, he wants as part of a title race, his first one as manager. Are you seeing a big difference in, say, the mentality of the team? Do you, do you see winners now? Because like the Cavani coming in, his experience and that, I think the aura on the pitch is completely different now. I think every player, even from the like the Scott McTominay, they all have their own role now, and it's it, it's starting to it's starting to form. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. Obviously, a big a big part of that has been Bruno Fernandez, who is a guy that has come in and looked around and almost said, "I'm not going to let anybody drop their standards here." I always think about something Roy, Roy Keane had said in an interview before about things that he would say sometimes at half-time or before games to the other players where people think Keane was around in a rave. And he'd just say, or Ferguson would just say, remember who we are, we're Man United. You know, We need to go out there and, and remind everybody of that. And I think Bruno has been a key part in restoring that. And I think then obviously Cavani, who is, even without PSG, Without the PSG thing, you can you can watch him in a game and go, there, that, that's a winner. That's somebody who wants to win all the time. But then I think you look at some of the other players around. I look at Luke Shaw now as well, as someone I've mentioned a few times in the last few weeks. I can see someone there's a guy who's got the bit between his teeth now. I do wonder whether he, was it Ian Wright was saying about Shaw, um, was it at half-time? He was talking about maybe the thing with Shaw now, obviously he's... Um, his personal life's much more settled. He's settled down. He's he's got a kid. Mm. So sometimes with with a person that that can change them. And I think for for him as well, maybe he's just in his own head. Or I wonder what Solskjaer's done with him in terms of just because I always felt we sure maybe he was the kind of player who needs like an arm around the shoulder. But I watch him in games and he's like he's he's quite vocal in games as well. He he's, seems to be matured like, a lot. A lot in the past few weeks. He seems to be one of the bigger, tougher characters yeah. in the team. Just even back going back to last season, actually. And I wonder. So I think you see a mentality change with him. I actually think people talking about getting the Luke Shaw you saw at Southampton. I actually think you're seeing a better player than what you got at Southampton. Yeah. A more well-rounded player, still offering a lot going forward, but his defensive work is outstanding. He's he's probably now that really is. There's no issues now at left back, which have been a problem area for us for a long time. Because now we have him. Been through a lot. He's been through well a lot of shit, Luke Shaw, from his leg break, Luke from Shaw. dealing with Jose Mourinho and the public eye and stuff. And I look at someone now who 
is now getting a bit of a break in terms of performances. He's getting the praise that he always probably would have wanted as a, as a professional footballer. And things are clicking into place. But what I see there is I see someone that it, it's crazy, right? He's not in the England team. So we should be talking about someone who's kind of, you know, still developing his game. But this is actually someone who seems to me now like a senior pro, the way he's playing the pitch in the past few weeks, because he's playing with this kind of sense of maturity. He's one of the senior players now, it seems, in the team. He's not, but it's it's the way in which he's carrying himself, Mike, that he's playing well week in, week out now. And it's we can talk about the, the addition of, of Tellez, and he's come in and given Luke Shaw that, that, that boost. But we, we also have to give it to Tellez too that we have that option to change a team's dynamic on the bench from, from, from a simple switch at fullback. He's got a wonderful left foot. But we also got Luke Shaw who, first and foremost, is doing his defensive duties to a T. Yeah, but Luke Shaw's passing is very, very good as well, which is something that has impressed me when he gets forward. He's little give and go in a one-twos and making the overlapping runs. It's been very, very good. I actually think he probably is a senior player. I mean, he's not a young kid. He's no, 25. He's yeah. So I, I actually look at him in the way he behaves, and he is a more senior player in the team. I'm 25. Exactly. You're a senior You're a senior pro, Dale. Senior podcaster. <laughs> senior podcaster. Yes. Um, I think you look at something I'd always criticised Paul Popper for in the past was not not leading, not really, you know, being kind of like a good vibes, good time player. I actually watched Pogba now and I go, actually, no, he is someone that's leading. He is someone that, if the tempo's not there, he's picking it up. He's dragging so, yeah. people up. He's like, let's go. I don't know what's been said to him. Someone else, actually, I want to highlight is someone I've been very critical of, but Vince Lindelof. Yes. I have to say this season has really stepped up as what he's done defensively. It just as a he still lacks a bit of pace, but his personality. There was one moment towards the end of the game that I really liked. I think he got a yellow card for this, but Liverpool were about to break forward. He just grabbed the Liverpool player by his shirt and he just dragged him back and he went, You're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's where you're not going anywhere. And you know, you need players willing to do that sometimes. Whatever need whatever needs to be done to win a football match. Oh look, if if we're gonna be rounding up the podcast apologies in terms of this the, the criticism we've given like to Lindelof in the past, I think I think I need to give one to, to Harry Maguire in recent weeks. Um, look, Maguire, Maguire. I'm not going to change my tune. I think he blows hot and cold in the moment. He's in he's in good form. Um, you could say he's leading from the back. But but there have been times this season where he's been hot and cold, and the same goes for Lindelof, and the same goes for many of these players that were praising right now. I stand right by now. the criticism that yeah. given to those players, yeah, especially definitely. Maguire. Deserve the criticism he but, got. But but the point we're making is right now this is brilliant. This is this is the the squad that Solskjaer is assembling. It's it's the reason why he spends a lot of money on a lot of these players. Uh, and one player I, I want I want to mention because we didn't touch on him yet is Donny Van de Beek. He started yesterday against Liverpool. The game he would have wanted to start, obviously joining United in the summer, and it was a big opportunity for him. But we we yeah we briefly touched on him. It's just the point I want to make is that we brought him into the team for Bruno Fernandez, a player who we can both agree and most Man United fans will agree that we're, we are very over reliant on Bruno Fernandez. But the positive I took, one of the positives I took from the game yesterday was that we scored two goals against Liverpool without Fernandes on the pitch. Donny van der Beek was on the pitch. Now, he didn't contribute 
um, assists or, or even score those goals. But the point is that he he was part of, part of that midfield machine with Pogba, and I thought they did a good job. This team two years ago, you would not have been able to take out a star player like Bruno Fernandes. He wasn't even there for starters. And bring in someone as talented, as technically brilliant as, as Donny van der Beek. Okay, That shows you that this squad is improving. We're not looking at the likes of Pasta Wamata to come in and do the job. We're not looking at Jesse Lingard, uh, a player who has come from the U Academy, who we're still praying on might make it, might come on and be a... Be a good first team. 28. Yeah, 28. 28. This team under Solskjaer is improving. He's buying the players that, say, a few years ago you looked at City when they had David Silva and they had Kevin De Bruyne and they had Bernardo Silva. They had options. There was never too many midfielders in that squad or too many fullbacks. And that's what Solskjaer is slowly adding to this squad. And this team will be able to compete. It's competing as it is. But I think 12 months from now, this team will be better again. And that's why the likes of Man City are looking over their shoulders. Liverpool aren't looking over their shoulders anymore. They lose the Spurs. They're looking ahead of them. We're ahead of them then. Not over their shoulders. And that's how quick this can change. It's how quick... like Liverpool and City, that's not um, sustainable. The way they were, were doing it the past two to three years. You're not going to win the league by 90, 80... Or 90-100 points every season. Whoever wins the league this season is probably going to do so with 74 to 80 points. It's going to be an ordinary... Or not an ordinary, but a normal league. And that's what we might see for a few years. But seriously, I Mike, so as well. Mike, I'm optimistic. Like We are right in the mix. And we might not win something this season. And then people might go back to this podcast and say, you, you got on your high horse. Maybe. But if you're a Manchester United fan, fucking enjoy this moment. Enjoy knocking Liverpool out of the cup. And enjoy being on top of the league. It's, because it's fucking brilliant. It's really good. I'm spending how many years talking about United and... In the last few years, they've been fairly drought. It, it it hasn't been enjoyable. We've been picking positives from Louis van Gaal and and the so and Mourinho, and when there hasn't been positives, this is positive. Hundred percent. And um, we've got another big cup tie against West Ham to look forward to. Should be a good game. Hope we can look forward to that one. From what I've seen of West Ham this season, they're going to come and have a go at it as well. They're yeah. not going to be sitting back this year. David Moyes deserves a bit of respect there, Mike, because he's, he seems to be doing a decent job at West Ham this season. They're like seventh in the league. I've been impressed with them and I've seen them a few times. I was impressed with them when we played against them. The problem was I think they flagged a bit in the last half an hour of the game and dropped deeper and deeper and that's where we were able to really get at them. There's a huge amount of credit. You've got a lot of stick, but he's turned it around there. I think something David Moyes did at West Ham this time was that the big money signings they had, people like Yarmolenko and Felipe Anderson and these kind of players, he's really left he's left them out and he's promoted some of the lesser known players who I suspect he believes can offer a lot more. So you look at someone like Jared Bowen, who was really good for about 60 minutes against us. He had a really good game. Mikel Antonio, who's one of the most unusual players in the league, but... <laughs> enormously effective and he's great to watch and um, he also crashed his Lamborghini into someone's front garden while dressed as a snowman which is one of my favourite off the pitch football stories I've ever heard I think you look at someone like uh, Manuel Lanzini when he's fit really really good player I like him a lot 
Yeah, I think he's done a tremendous job there, considering. Because um, that was a basket case of a club West Ham. Really was. And I think he's actually stabilised it and, make it and made it a credible, credible football club again. We have a number of questions to, to get through from the Facebook forum. Um, firstly, I want to apologise for not getting an episode out last week. Um, I fell ill after recording with Mike last week and had to be rushed to the hospital. So we got all that drama um, to, to get through. But look, we're back and we have some questions. First one up from Ian Johnston, Mike. He said, what are the first three names on the team sheet? For him, Is it's Shaw, Pogba and Cavani. And he asks, will Oli risk dripping or dripping, dropping any of those for a game against Sheffield United? Which is um, a Wednesday night. Yeah, first few names in the team sheet for me would be Shaw, Bruno. And yeah, it would be Pogba right now, I suppose, wouldn't it? He puts Cavani in, but Cavani doesn't start every week, so I wouldn't have no. him as one of the first three names. For me, he should be starting, but I yes. think the first three names at the moment, you mentioned Bruno, yeah, you mentioned Shaw at the moment, you'd have to say. And who would be, who would be Probably third? have to say Maguire as well, to be honest. And Fred, Fred, Fred at the moment yeah. is a big influence, big influence in the way we play, the way we tick. Scott McTominay is as McTominay. well, I have to say. Yeah, McTominay had a had a bit of a rough rough period at the second half um, against Liverpool. Mosala was kind of running them a little bit ragged, but but this this the thing about this team now. I was wondering it's better what, players than Scott McTominay that been rugged by Mosala to be oh, fair. Oh, absolutely, and he, he he has his role in the team. But what I'm saying, Mike, is there's nothing stopping now. Soldier can bring in Manja Matic into that role. You know, he has options and. I'm just looking at the overall picture of the team and, and it's healthy. It's so much more healthy than compared to what it was a year ago, five months ago. I can see it. It, it, it just seems that not long ago people were questioning whether we, we, we were going in any direction with this manager. Whether we just should have dropped the hat and get Pochettino in before PSG did. But PSG got their man. Um, they also fired Thomas Tuchel in the process who... We were just speaking before we started recording, Mike. Sounds like he's on his way to Chelsea with Lampard getting the axe. Before we go to the next question on Lampard, I just want to ask because we have referenced it quite a bit that Solskjaer's been getting it quite tough in the media um, since he became United manager. And there's been times where Lampard's had his friends in the media. I think Arteta has had smoke blown up his own hole too because he was a friend of Guardiola's and did some fucking internship at City. But Lampard's getting the axe. He's the first one of those former players to to be pushed before he jumps. You surprised? Do you think it's unfair timing during the season? Should he have been given to the end of the season? You know, who's going to come into Chelsea and do anything worse where Anton right now? I'm not surprised it's happened because we know how Chelsea operate. Um, I think it is very unfair. I think Lampard should have been given more time. I personally am not sure about him as a manager. He's definitely got an easy ride. Of those, of the three former players that we've mentioned, of him, Arteta and Solskjaer, he's definitely had the easiest ride in the media. But he deserved time. It's a big job. There was a lot to do. He had a bunch of players. For, I don't know what his input on some of those summer signings were. I suspect not a huge amount. You know how Chelsea operate there. 
It sounds like the next the fucking sign, next manager had more of a say in who they were signing last summer because Thomas Tuchel's coming in to save the day for Werner and Havertz, by the sounds of it. Yeah, I just don't. I, I'm baffled. You can't give him till the end of the season at least. See where the chips have fallen at the end of the season. I think with Arteta, he was getting smoke blown up his ass after the United game. But that really, that disappeared probably about <laughs> five or six weeks ago when they were in the midst of that terrible run. But as I said to you before recording, Arteta needs time. Arteta probably has a bigger job more than the other two. When you look at the state of that Arsenal squad mm. and everything that was going on in and around the ownership of the club, it was a, it was a mess. And he, again, give these guys time. What's the point? At the moment, I, I said this to you, with no fans in the stadium, this is an ideal point for clubs to be more patient managers and let things play out give them to the end of the season yeah let's let's sack the manager and then get another manager in five days six days before the transfer window ends just bizarre absolutely bizarre listen Tuchel is a brilliant coach but the way that he ideally wants his team to play that's a very specific way it's not going to happen overnight no it's not it's not and again he needs time these guys need time to get things into place. I'd say the same with PSG and Pochettino. That's not going to happen overnight either. For God's sake, I just don't know what are you expecting right now, especially with the way how congested the season is. There's another question from Martin Potter, who, um, in fairness, Martin's taken a lot of flack on the Facebook forum in recent weeks for playing devil's advocate with Ollie. Um, but I will say his posts have been a lot more positive in recent weeks. He's asking, are the media hyping up the title challenge so that they can lambast Ollie if we don't win it? Don't get me wrong, we'll be delighted if we could get number 21, but wouldn't say we're favourites. We're not favourites, Martin, but look, we're in the mix. And I think at the start of the season, if you had asked, I'll ask you in a second, Mike, but if you'd asked me and Mike at the beginning of the season, about our objectives and what we'd hoped for this year. We would have said a trophy and we would have said it would have been great to see United challenging the league after seeing Liverpool and City run away with it in recent years. And and that, and that that's what we're getting. We're, we're in the FA Cup. We have a chance to win in that. We're in the Europa League. Um, not sure about what we should be doing really in that. I think we should be looking at the FA Cup and, the, and focusing on the league. But, but things are a lot better. A lot, lot better. I, Mike... It's too airy to talk about are we going to win the league, isn't it? It, it? It's just, we should have just enjoyed this ride right now of the form we're seeing and seeing what comes of it because there's no point getting into potholes where you're saying, oh, we get this amount of points and we, we, we'll win the league because it's just, it's a long way down the road. Yeah, and I think um, Ollie Gunnar has, has pointedly made that clear as well. It's far too early to be talking about this. Some of the players have been quite clear about this. Not the only club in this position. If you look in Spain right now, you're looking at Atletico Madrid, who I would pin as favourites to win the league over there. But they're pointedly saying way too early to be making these kind of statements right now. It is. But, and I think a big thing with this season as well, because of the um, congested nature of the fixture list, there's a big momentum, like snowball thing that tends to go into results as well, which is what Arsenal were probably on the wrong end of maybe five or six games ago when they just just kept losing games, right? Mm. This is kind of where Chelsea are in right now, where they just the results just keep going against them. There's a bit of a snowball effect. It knocks confidence. And, of course, you get the reversal of it, which you see with United at the moment, where we're getting the results on the board and it instills belief into the team. A test 
for United, we kind of had a bit of a test when we lost to City was how we respond to defeats. I think that when we went out to the Champions League was how are we going to respond to that? I think a big thing for me is how United have responded to losing big games this season, which I think has been very good. That's been a huge test, is responding to the negative results. And I think we've done well. I think what United have tended to do is just kind of stabilise the ship in a not particularly exciting fashion. So I think Ole Gunnar would have been happy, actually, and would still be happy even now if you offered it to him, the the nil-nil that we had against Manchester City after the Leipzig game because it just kind of steadied things a bit, gave the defence a little bit of confidence after, let's be honest, the defensive performance against Leipzig was a disaster. It was an absolute disaster. Defensively in Europe, defensively in Europe, if you look at the pretty much the second half of that group stage, from the, 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 the night in Istanbul, defensively it was so amateurish. But but we we look at these knocks, Mike. We We, we learn from these knocks and... The team, it, the team itself has come a long way since then. You look at that defence yeah, yesterday so. against Liverpool, and I see, I see such an improvement. I think, I think um, the backroom staff has come a long way since then as well, in terms of how tactically they're approaching some of these games, because it's kind of a recognition of, well, this is the person that we've got right now defensively, so maybe we can't, we have to be a little bit more conservative, certainly in the early stages of the big games, than we ordinarily would like to be. Which is fine. You have to make what you have to make the best of what you got. I think there's a bit of that you get with all the teams this season. So, City have not been as spectacular going forward this season as they were the two seasons they won the league, right? Under Guardiola um, a couple of years ago. But that's because Guardiola is looking at the personnel he's got. He hasn't really got a fully fit goal scorer right now. So it's like, well, let's make let's play the way that fits best the personnel I've got to get results. And that's what they're doing. That's what you have to do right now. I think that's maybe like a struggle that Jurgen Klopp's going through at the moment. I still wouldn't count Liverpool out of this title race. I think that's an insane thing to do. Even if they lose the Spurs? I'm not convinced they will lose to Spurs, Dale. I saw enough from Liverpool yesterday to think that they'll probably beat Spurs. I'll be quite honest with you. I think if you can nullify one... If you can nullify the ball getting to Son and Kane which is not that hard to do, I think, they can, I think they can beat them. I think Leicester provided a pretty good template. It's quite easy to beat Spurs, quite easy to play against them. And I wouldn't be surprised if Spurs were quite negative against Liverpool that went against them. So I think it's crazy to count, count them out. As you said, and as I said, when it was me, you and, and Steve from uh, Empire of the Cup doing the uh, preview for the Liverpool game, there's not going to be a huge amount between first and third. Probably fourth place isn't going to be that far behind first either. It's going to be very, very tight this year. As you said, more traditionally what you get with title races in, in England, where it's nip and tuck, really. Certainly, even going into the last five games, it's very nip and tuck between three or four teams. And I think you're going to get that. You're going to, it's, it's going to be almost what you got in the... Um, I always think, think back to... If you go and look back at league title races, you used to get in like the seventies and the eighties, and even the sixties, where they'd be like, sometimes you'd be like, you'd have like four or five teams in there going into the last three games. It would not be unreasonable to see that. And I think, as you said, this is going to be the case for the next few years now. Like coronavirus has leveled the playing field for football a bit <laughs> in terms of what teams are looking to spend, but also it's, I think maybe taking the heat off clubs a little bit. I think what you see what you saw with Lampard and bizarrely what you saw with Bilic, which I don't understand why they sacked him. 
Um, I think generally you're seeing clubs having the pressure taken off them a little bit to make decisions with managers, right? I think ordinarily maybe David Moyes would have been under a lot more pressure when we came back from the first lockdown and started playing again. But I think instead it's taken the pressure off a bit and it's allowed the clubs to give managers a little bit more breathing room to really implement what they want to do. And as a consequence of that, you're seeing a more competitive league yeah, and look, we're Manchester United in the mix. So I'm not, I'm not going to complain. Next question from Keen Franey: the performance of Marcus Rashford yesterday. Can he get even better? Um, I, I think that that's something that I wanted to touch on in the podcast in the coming weeks was Rashford's performance of late. Um, not just speaking about the performance yesterday, but to answer your question is, can he get even better? Yes, he can. His performances overlay, I don't think, have been at the level that he can perform at um, consistently. He doesn't do he's not doing it every week. He does it in bursts and his assist for, for Greenwood yesterday was exceptional. He took his goal really well. But Rashford, I think a lot of players in the league have had this problem this season where they've had these dips. These dips in yeah. form for several games. And and the thing with Rashford is the last international break he was nursing a shoulder um, injury. We did an interview, an exclusive with Rashford at that time. And he spoke to us about it. It was, it was an ongoing problem that he had for a few weeks. And this was a problem he'd been pay- playing with. Now, I'm sure footballers play with pains every week. But as football fans on social media, we don't know an awful lot about it. And it's just interesting when you can take it into account that some of the strains some of these players are playing with. Rashford is not at his, not at his best this season. He just hasn't been. I've, last season, he was a lot, lot better. Um, and I'm just hoping that he can get into that rich vein of form right now when things are going well for United because if someone like Rashford can kick on and and, and go on a, a goal scoring burst then then I'm thinking Manchester United can win the league the, the, it's fine lines like that we're talking about Gary Neville's constantly talking about Paul Pogba now standing up and being that big presence in the team and leading United I think I look at the round of dressing room and you see Bruno Fernandes doing it every week you see Pogba doing it every week now I'm just looking and I'm waiting for Martial and Rashford one or two of them to really kick on and that's what would guide us to our first league title um, since Alex Ferguson. I hope it happens this season, not saying it will, but Rashford, I do expect better from him every week, Mike. Um, but I'm happy, I'm happy. Yeah, it's also worth pointing out that he had a really serious back injury last yeah, year as well. Yeah, of course, yeah. People yeah. don't realise... Um, <laughs> I can tell you from experience, someone who's even had minor back injuries and niggles and stuff, I do weightlifting and powerlifting. You're carrying this podcast, Mike. Some- you're carrying this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but even when you get niggles with your back and your hip, it psychologically can inhibit you a little bit, I think, to really push yourself. Um, so there's probably taken him a while to really sort of psychologically get into where he really, into the zone that he wants to be as well after doing an injury like, after getting an injury like that. So people need to take this into account. It's all very well, you know, you know people sat at home you know, watching these games of a beer balanced on their sixth belly and then tweeting away about how bad this player's played. I'm like, you get out there and play and let's see how you do then. <laughs> exactly. And Jer- Jerry Keller um, says, how can we go all the way in terms of winning the title this season? 
that's the big question, isn't it? Um, how can we go all the way, Mike? What what's what's it going to take? It's going to take keeping our main players fit. We can keep our main players fit. We'll win football matches. Uh, and the same goes for City. Will they will they throw their eggs in the Champions League? Will Aguero um, be out for a longer period? Kevin De Bruyne now four to five weeks. They are the fine lines that's going to come down to. Look, that's a big kick in the stones for City. And our kick in the stones could come in three weeks. You just don't know what's going to happen. So It's, it's momentum, I think, is what's going to carry you to the league title. It's getting, putting a run of games together. When did United last lose the league game now? A long while ago, I feel. Is it Arsenal? I think it would Arsenal. be Arsenal. I think it would be Is Arsenal. That... Did they, they, they Thomas Partey basically look like the best footballer in the planet? So, there we go. We're already on a good run of games right now. And a good time to put the run of games together as well. So, the key thing is just... is is. I think we will lose another game again before the end of the season. I'm almost certain of that. Yeah. Everyone will be losing one or two games before the end of the season. But the key is, when we next lose a game, is then putting another Big 12 response. to 15 Big run response. game run together. And yeah. that's going to be a key. Like I said, I've actually been quite impressed with how we responded to setbacks this season. I thought we've responded in, not necessarily by like roaring back, but like taking a step back, recomposing ourselves, and then going back again. I mean, that's a, that's a big thing. It's all very well talking about roaring back. But traditionally, I always think under Ferguson, when United had a really bad result or really bad run, they tended to respond by putting a bunch of 1-0 wins together. That's what we tended to do was just like getting the wins in, shutting down other teams and getting points on the board. And then the players that would go out every game and when they score the first goal, it was like, right, we've got this now. Let's get really get after it because we know we're going to win this game. Exactly. Our next show is on Thursday, Mike, after we play Sheffield United. We'll be bringing you a review of that game before United take on Arsenal at the weekend. That's another big game to be looking forward to for United fans. Thanks for listening to this episode. I apologise again for not getting an episode out last week. But look, we're back. Beat Liverpool. Knocked them out with the cup. And plenty of reasons to be positive. Make sure you follow the Cast on Twitter. Subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave a review even. For the next podcast, leave a kind review so we're hitting those charts. And we'll speak to you again on Thursday. Come on, you red. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.